The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey y'all, hey, what's up and welcome to Let's Red Table that. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley, and we are, listen, we're diving into family dynamics once again in this episode, but in a totally new way, uh, and a, you know, successful way as, as Red Table Talk likes to do. Today's episode <laughs> is focused and centered on parental alienation, which is one parent viciously turning their child against the other parent. That is horrible, and I just can't even imagine that. You know, my parents were divorced when I was super young, Cara. So I didn't grow up in the household with, like, my mom and dad, like my older siblings. But to hear poor Ashlyn and her story and what happened with her and and Dizzy and what Jennifer did, I just want to say that, yeah, there were times when my mom may have said some things that were not necessarily the most positive things to say about my dad. Mm-hmm. However, comma, she didn't go in like Jennifer. Jennifer? Mm-mm. What are your thoughts on Jennifer? Bless, bless her heart. You know, Jennifer, do you need are help? Are you starting out with bless her heart? I generally say that when I don't know what to say. My bless your heart really means that. I pray the Lord comes and surrounds it. Yeah, that's the Southern bless your heart means bless your heart too. No, yeah, it was hard to watch her overall just because I think this season of Red Table Talk, so many things with parenting are being discussed the different facets of being a parent. And I just, I never, ever tapped into the parents who are truly abusing their power. Like, really using their words to, 
gain their best interest, to like just completely tear someone else down. I think it's ridiculous and was hard to watch a long time ago, actually, probably about 20 years now. I saw Teddy Riley at King's Dominion. So it was hard to watch him be hurt because in my mind, we are good friends. Okay, so wait a minute. What is King's Dominion? King's Dominion is an event park in Richmond, Virginia. So like, you know, Six Flags, right? It's Virginia's version. And so because you saw him, it makes yeah, you have a, a kinship to ha, your friends. Oh, okay. Does in my know? head. <laughs> okay, okay. Saw him one time and didn't even speak. One time in the fire. Hey, Teddy. Listen, and I saw Jada singing No Diggity on the uh, on the yeah <laughs> on the episode. But you know, but it it was hard to watch. I will say that. What I take from what you said is that when you have an alignment or feel an affinity for someone, it is hard to watch them be mistreated. Jennifer, she didn't have her answer, her response. She did not have any remorse. She didn't. I mean, Dizzy owned his ish. Okay, Dizzy owned his dang on ish. Jennifer, not so much. She came up with that lame old, we were young. Yeah. You know. Lack of accountability is at an all-time high. It's people, people don't care. I think she cared about herself. I think she cared about trying to stick it to Dizzy, and that's what she did. That's what she did. Fully. Um, yeah, it's difficult to watch. Even, again, back to Telly Riley, like he, I saw him at King's Dominion. That is a family park. That's a family place. Like, this isn't an accident. So it is hard to just see, again, people abusing their power. And I think, you know, this episode was a clear example. I think people immediately want to say that women are the root of all this and women do it and they're going to hold you back. But that's why I'm excited about today's episode because our guests actually had an issue with the dad. So, right. it's, you know, we're not going to, we're not just placing this on women. It is not women having an attitude or being rude or whatever people may want to say. But yeah, it happens on both sides. Well, one thing we know for sure is that our episode today includes a phenomenal story of Reunited. And so I can't wait because it's going to be fantastic. Our community is our backbone, and we love to hear from you. We've asked our community what they thought of this episode, and so many of you related. Here are some of your answers. Okay, well, listen, Stephanie Hathcock said, I haven't spoken or seen my daughter since 2008 because of the lies and brainwashing of my ex-husband. It's horrible. I lost touch with both my kids due to my ex's attempt to keep me out of their lives. That's... It's so heartbreaking, some of these. Oh, my gosh. I just, I mean, you don't want to know that there are people that relate to the show as much as you know there are people that relate to the show. So we're grateful to you, Stephanie, that you shared. And we're hoping that you have reconciliation because that's just hard. Yeah. Dana George Ornsby said, I know about this topic all too well. It's been the reason I pledged that if my relationship ended, I would never speak negatively about or keep my children's father from them. I remember how hurtful it was as a child. Dana, good for you. We are giving you two thumbs up on that. Rachel Smith said, I so feel this. My ex and his parents have kept my daughter away. Oh, that's unfortunate with the parents involved, right? Last time I saw her, she was seven. She's now 16. Pivotal years. Pivotal years. She's a completely different child from seven mm-hmm. to 16. 
Mm-hmm. Rachel, we send our love and positive energy to you. And Rob Woodburn said, I have been alienated from my 17-year-old daughter since she was 11. Love your children more than you hate your ex gives me hope. I look forward to the day I see her again. Rob, we hope for you that that comes sooner rather than later for both you and your 17-year-old daughter. Thank you, community, for sharing and being transparent. Absolutely. And keep those great comments coming. We love your engagement with us. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll be joined by two incredible guests from our Red Table Talk community. And we're bringing two RTT community members to our virtual Red Table today who actually are mother and daughter. That's a first. That's a let's red table that first. I love it. I have the honor of introducing Carolyn, who is the mother. Carolyn McLeod is a mother of three, but she's been alienated from two of her children for the past 10 years. After enduring years of domestic violence from the father of her children, she filed for divorce. Her ex-husband used her struggles with alcohol addiction against her in court, gaining full custody of their children and slowly turning them against her. Carolyn is here to share her story and shine a light on this epidemic. Thank you for joining us on Let's Red Table That, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. Caitlin O'Neill thought that her mom was choosing to not be a part of her life, but after six years of being alienated from her mom, she learned the truth. Her dad had been lying to her and her two siblings for years. So Caitlin built up the courage to reach out to her mom, and they have been reconnected ever since. But now, Caitlin has no relationship with her two siblings, who are still under her dad's influence. So we are grateful that you both could join us so we can share both you and your mom's perspectives on this experience. So thank you. Welcome. And thanks for being a part of this with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to both of you. We really appreciate it. We're going to kick it off by going ahead and talking about the actual full episode. This is the part of the show where we reveal which moments made us pause, rewind, listen Uh again, and just say, what's going on? What? (laughs) Wait, what? When Gammy revealed they are being alienated from a family member and they didn't know why. Gammy said, We've had to deal with it. This person didn't want her child to be a part of our family. And wow. it was it was devastating. And we don't even know why. We don't even know what happened. It's the niece, it's the cousin, and they're out of the family. That's hard. Parental alienation is one of those things like domestic violence. We all know somebody who's been affected by it in one way or another. Many times we may not know what the word is that they're experiencing, but yeah, it's my experience that a lot of people have experienced the same thing. And there's such a revelation too when I talk to so many different parents across the country about they finally feel like they've got a name to what they've been experiencing for two years, three years, five years, 10 years. And so it it helps that to give them some validation as well. And having the name makes all the difference. It's like, A, I know what this is. And B, I know now that it has a name or term, I'm not alone. Right. And you can start to kind of dissect it, right? What are the pieces? Am I playing a part? Is it me? Or mm-hmm. And then you can also, can, as Tracy would say, affirm yourself and say, no, 
this actually is not me. It's not only me. It's not all my fault, my responsibility. Dizzy was one of those parents who, in my opinion, was a victim of a lot of what was going on. And, you know, he he straight up took responsibility for his actions. And I think as parents, we do hold on to a lot of that guilt. And it's really hard to let go of the guilt. But once you realize that you're not crazy, your reality is not being distorted by all of this, then you can start to see through a lot of the abuse that is currently going on and start to realize, oh my gosh, I really was a victim in a lot of this. And I do think he was a victim just as much as his daughter was, but he wanted to carry that guilt, which is sad in itself as well. Mm-hmm. It That was sad because for Ashlyn, she literally internalized what her mother said, right? She would say bad things about him. My first feeling was, oh my God, she's saying bad things about me. Like, Because right. it's part of me, right? Wow. So I would internalize all these things. Jennifer's negativity toward Dizzy, she was like, well, wait a minute. He's a part of me. So if what you're saying is negative about him, what you're saying is negative about me too. And she literally made those be about her. It really affected her self-esteem, her identity. She had a lot of different issues that was just based on what her mother said about her dad. And then interestingly enough, Jada thought, wait a second, mom, should you have alienated me from my dad? And I thought that this was such an important part. This was a fantastic distinguishable moment for me that Gammy made sure that she told not only Jada, but the world that Jada's dad may have had questionable decisions, but he wasn't a bad father. And even though when their parents or exes involved, they may not have the best parenting skills, but that doesn't make them be bad people and that you should be alienated from them just because they may let you stay up later, eat cake for breakfast, right? That's a totally different animal. Right, right, right. Well, then there's alienation and there's like protection, right? There may be some instances where you need to keep a child away from a parent for a protection instance situation for themselves or yourself. But the alienation, I think, is the single-sided control that this episode helps me kind of point out and really identify and and understand. Let's tap into the story of Ashlyn's mom letting Ashlyn meet Dizzy just so he would sign away his parental rights. I've got my kid's stepdad telling me, don't worry, I'll make sure she never takes your children away from you again. And the minute the papers were signed and the car doors were shut and everybody drove off, that was the last time I saw him. I thought that was so manipulative. Caitlin and Carolyn, let's hear from you on this. As an alienated child, my dad, I know, pushed for my stepmom to adopt me. That breaks my heart. My mom is my mom. She carried me for nine months. I'm part of her. And I would never want that. I felt for Ashlyn. She's losing a piece of her. And even with like when she was talking about how she internalized what her mom said, I did too. My dad always was constantly putting me down and comparing me to my mom. Oh, you're a liar just like her. Oh, you look just like, or oh, why do you act like her? And stuff like that. But I didn't know any better. That's how I was raised. That's how I was taught. I was with her until I was 10 before I got taken away. So I was like, For 10 years, this is who I became. And now you're telling me I'm not an okay person? Well, Caitlin, how did that make you feel? Oh my gosh, I felt like I became worthless. Like I didn't have a voice. And truthfully, through all of what I've been through, I learned I don't have a voice. The voice that I had was gone. 
it got taken away. And I don't think a lot of people realize that is that when even just a normal divorce, they're trying to do what's right for the kids, but they don't ever take what the kids say. Or they tell the kids that this is what they're going to do and they're going to use big words. And we don't understand that. I think really truthfully, everything needs to be about the kids and what they need and what they want. And I just, I'm firm on that. They should have a voice. They should decide who they want to live with, who they want to see. Even though my siblings and I, we don't see each other and we don't talk. I know there are times where I don't see eye to eye with them and I don't have a say for them, but people act like I do. That's so interesting because as an alienated child, you definitely feel strongly about it. I can tell you as a child of divorce, I too, I identify with some part of what you said about not being able to have any say-so. And absolutely, the parents may have thought they did what was best for us, but in reality, they did what was best for them and we were just kind of stuck in the middle. But there's a problem with that also, guys, is that, you know, we see a lot of kids who are 14, 15, 16, even 17 years old who are making life decisions for themselves to cut out a loving relationship with a parent. And we have a court system currently that's allowing that to happen as well. And these kids don't have the wherewithal to understand how some of those life decisions can really have long-term ramifications for them going down the road. I felt for Dizzy when they came and basically terminated his parental rights. My ex has tried doing that to me as well, saying that the girls want their stepmom to adopt them. And I always said, oh, hell no, there's no reason for that. They don't understand. And if you have a parent who he was doing this in order to save some child support, our child support system is so broken as it is also. Parents lose their driver's license if they don't pay child support. They can have their wages garnished, can go to jail. I know parents who have lost everything with huge amounts of back child support owed. And the courts don't seem to offer any kind of leeway. And so for some parents, that may be the only way out too, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. It is sad. And then to hold on to that guilt as well. Well, and then the way that Jennifer did it, y'all, I mean, to have the daughter's present and have him sign and then basically use that to say, see, here's the concrete proof. Your dad doesn't want you. He just gave you away. It's like... Use the kids as pawns that day. How is that healthy for your kids? It's not. But to your point earlier, these children are making decisions... Jennifer said she was a child. She was young. They were young. And the reality is, it's right. She's right. They did their best with what they had. Who did their best? But it doesn't make it right. What I'm saying is, at their age, that was their best decision-making skill that they thought. The problem was, she was manipulative with hers. The intentionality was felt. Cara, I really appreciate the fact that you are so glass half full. Because Jennifer... It's not glass half full. That is, she is, she was an immature person who was terrible. Mm, that was, was her also best decision. I just said she was manipulative. I'm agreeing with you. We're on, we're on the same page, actually. No, but I was going to add some other adjectives. I don't think she was doing her best. I don't think that was her doing her best when she knew that she was literally taking her children away from their biological father intentionally to keep them from them for years. I don't think that was her doing her best. I think that was her being hurtful and hateful. She was doing what she felt was best for her to maintain control with her manipulative mind. You hit it on the head. She was trying to gain control. And if you listen to a lot of the experts like Dr. Baker, Dr. Harmon, and others who have done a lot of research in this area, 
they actually classify this as a form of family violence as well as child abuse. Right. Because it's a form of power and control. Right. Absolutely. And when I say it's her best as well, I think it's a just, it's necessary to identify that people just don't mentally con- mature right. They just don't. She was in her mind. She didn't care to consider anyone additional. And poor Dizzy, he just signed away and literally was cut off, it sounds like, from that moment forward. My heart broke for Dizzy. It did, because he actually was a father who wanted to be there and cared about the children in a way that would have heavily benefited their life throughout their life. And the point that he made that was a powerful truth at the table, right? At Red Table, he said... You've got to love your children more than you hate your ex. I agree with Willow, though. We need to make those into shirts. Uh, Right. (laughs) I played middleman during my parents' divorce because they couldn't be in the same room. But if they put that hatred aside and just said, okay, we've got three beautiful kids who are struggling and can't do this. I think life would have been easier for all of us. And I don't think I would have lost my mom in a sense. And like hate fuels so much more than love. And it's so sad and it breaks my heart. Truthfully, I wish not to quote a Beatles song, but love makes the world go around. I mean, it does. Yeah, no, I completely relate. Yes, all we need is love. It took me a while to to care a little bit more about my son's father, right? Because we don't have the best relationship. But once I recognized that he was needed to create this human that I love, you just understand and you just appreciate them for what they could contribute to your life. That took a lot of growth. It took a lot of growth, okay? Okay. So, How long did it take you to get to that? I want to say about year 10. And you start to, I think, start to analyze how much work is required to hate someone, right? It's a part of just growth overall. It takes a lot to hold on to... It's a lot of energy to hate. What you thought you didn't like. Yeah, it's just a lot. It takes a lot lot of energy to maintain hate. One thing that you, Caitlin... Actually, Car, I don't think you know this either, that I was an adoptive parent. I adopted my nephew. He was actually abandoned by his mother. And at the time, my brother was not in a position to take him. And so in order to keep him out of the system, I adopted him. And so that's why when you said Jennifer was doing the best she could, I was like, eh, I don't think so. Because the last thing I wanted in my 40s was to adopt a five-year-old. But in order to keep him safe, protected, and make sure he was able to go to school and keep him in the family and out of the system, I made that sacrifice for him. Now, it was interesting because around year 10, 11, he started wanting to really be with his dad, and it took us several years, but I was able to go and get the adoption revoked, and my brother and his wife were able to adopt my nephew. And so that was some part of an alienation for him, he felt. And now, interestingly enough, my nephew doesn't talk to me because they made him believe that I was the Wicked Witch. Crazy. Wow, 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 wow. It was just a matter of them hiding their truth. It was like they'd rather hide their truth about what they didn't do instead of focusing on the truth and trying to really do what was best for the child. And so there we go. What moments of the episode mirrored your own experiences, Carolyn and Caitlin, as you watched? 
I saw a lot of similarities into what I went through and what I talked to other parents about, especially with some of the false allegations that Alyssa had experienced with Teddy trying to do things outside of the court and having a contract and then having the courts not recognize the contract. So there are a lot of similarities. What do you think, Caitlin? I really resonated with Teddy's kids. I'm an alienated sister. And I feel for them. I was close with my siblings. We went through a traumatic event together. At my dad's, I helped take care of them. But I'm their big sister. They look up to me. I really, I felt for them. I know the pain that they're feeling. I can feel it. I know what it is. But even with Ashlyn, like when she was talking about how she internalized the hate that our mom had for her dad. And it's like, I know how you feel and I know what you're going through. And I just, I did, I wanted to crawl through the screen and give her a big old hug and tell her it's okay. There's more people like you out there. And we just, it's almost like all the alienated kids all need to get together and just have one big group hug because I feel like that's what we need. Right, right. Are there any organizations or groups or even like social media groups or anything that you participate in or belong to, Caitlin? There's a few people that I'm friends with, like on Facebook, that are alienated kids. And I know I talk to them. I'm not really a part of any group because a lot of alienated kids, we don't like to talk about what happened to us. There's trauma to it. And it's hard to talk about it. It puts us back in that fight mode. And I know personally, I'll put myself back into that mode sometimes. Well, but like you said, you may not want to talk about it. And I, Tracy, I've shared this with you too. Like I had a instance, I was a somewhat alienated aunt, but To Caitlin's point, I was a kid during the process, so my brother had a daughter, and then their family, things just grow apart. And by the time I got grown, it was kind of like double dutch. How do I jump in here and become family again, right? When we used to be close, but I was a kid. And so it's it's different, even not just brother, sister, mother, child, but like aunt or... Right. How do you reconnect after all that time? Right. How do you reconnect? Carolyn, what led up to your alienation and how did you attempt to process or cope with what was happening? Sure. So I was in an abusive relationship for almost 10 years with the uh, the father of my children. I have three kids. Um, There was a lot of verbal abuse. There was some documented domestic violence as well. This was the third time that I'd actually filed for divorce because I found out that when I was in the hospital with our newborn son, that my ex-husband was actually cheating on me. and. During our marriage, I was a recovering alcoholic for eight years, and I relapsed going through the divorce, the stress, being kind of pretty much a single mom during most of the divorce with a newborn, a two-year-old, and Caitlin was eight at the time. And then I, as alcoholics, we make some bad decisions. I found myself in another abusive relationship, but I certainly was willing to get the help that I needed. As parents, we absolutely make mistakes. I'm not a perfect parent. I have my demons. I have dealt with my demons and I have tried to work through my demons. But my ex-husband used that against me. He was able to get social services involved. We had a dependency and neglect case opened up against me for my alcoholism primarily. I lost my home during that time. I lost my business. I lost my children. And one by one, my kids went off like a light switch. Nobody wanted to listen to me about the documented abuse. At one point, while we were going through our divorce proceeding, he actually came after me with a baseball bat in front of my children. And he was charged with child endangerment from the county that we lived in. They overlooked that. They overlooked the fact that he had violated a probation with another DUI. But because I was the alcoholic who openly admitted, and I was a mom, right? I was the bad guy. And so immediately they gave custody of my children to them. My daughter, my younger daughter, 
not Caitlin, but her younger sister, Brianna, she came into a supervised visit with me and stood in front of her dad and told me in front of the person who was supervising our visits, she told me that I was dead to her and I was no longer her mommy. And I tried everything I could to hold back those tears. There was a time when we were trying to do some therapy together and she's walking away with her stepmom and she turns around and kind of waves at me. And that was really the last time that I saw her. And that was 10 years now. My son, I was able to have a little bit longer after the case closed, but Even during the case, Caitlin went off like a light switch at a swell. She was angry at me. I don't know what they were being told, but Ryan seemed to be the only one who was willing to keep coming to see me. And like I said, he stuck around for about a year afterwards, but I've remarried. I got sober during that time. I'll have 10 years of sobriety actually on the 17th of this month. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I don't know how I quite did that when going through all of everything I went through. but Absolute um, grace. And sheer grit, I can tell you. She is a superhero. She is my hero. And I will tell this to her till the day I die. If I could become half the woman that she becomes, I will be great in life. I'm not kidding. My mom is my hero and my superhero. And I love her to death. (laughs) I'm going to put that out there. Carolyn, how does that make you feel hearing that? To go from the light switch being turned off to hear that now? Yeah, I'm so proud of my daughter. I'm proud of her as well as the other children who are willing to come forward and start telling their stories. I'm just a mom. I'm just a mom. That's all I am. Um, oh, But it really touches my heart and it truly humbles me because I talk to so many parents around the world. And the one thing that we always hold on to is that hope that one day, one day they'll reach out to us. You know, and I got my miracle with Caitlin and Dizzy got his miracle with his daughter, but there are so many other parents who aren't getting their miracles. So many kids who are just holding on to that anger and those lies and Yeah, just, it breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart. I hope that more kids can come forward like Caitlin and Ashlyn and reunite with their parents. And it will happen. I'm confident you sharing your stories that this will help encourage and empower, moreover, people to share their stories and find their strength in yours. And let me just say that you are living in your authenticity, even at the time when you were at your lowest, And that was used against you because mothers, you said, I'm just a mom. Mothers are held to a different standard than dads when it comes to parenting. And it's a doggone shame, but that is a fact. And I don't have any statistics to back that up, but tell the listeners, fight me, because I'm telling you, it's a fact. Mothers are held to a different standard. The fact that your ex-husband had all those documented things and was still able to use literally a disease that you were working through against you is just a doggone shame. That part. That part. These stories are key. You guys are saving lives. Caitlin, what was life like at your dad's house while you were alienated from your mom? I mean, literally, I believe that there's probably some people out there who don't even know that this is really what they're going through. So what was going through your head as a child in this unimaginable situation? Truthfully, angry. I was so mad. I was told that my mom was going to rehab and that we would get to see her and that everything would go back to normal. I'd have a say again, and I'd have a voice. 
And so I was like, okay, cool. Mom's going to go fix herself. She's going to become a good mom. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great life. Everything's going to be perfect. I finally have this picture-perfect family that I've always wanted. And a month turned into two months. Two months turned into three. Three turned into six. And then six turned into a year. And I was done. I was done. I was like, nope. Okay, fine. You obviously don't care enough to come back. Then you don't deserve to be in my life. And so that light switch just went off and it really did. I told my friends I didn't have a mom, that she died. Oh. It was easier to oh. tell them that she was dead because at least then I can mourn the mom that I had and not miss out on the mom I'm not having. But not only did I miss out on not having a mom, but I missed out on not having my best friend. We're close. We're really close. And that's my best friend. And at 23, I can finally say that. <laughs> so <laughs> anything else, if you asked me that a couple years ago, I probably wouldn't have said that. But but my mom missed out on like my first heartbreak and my first love and going homecoming, dress shopping and prom. And, you know, the biggest one for me is I graduated with high honors in high school and stuff like that. And I was really proud of myself. And my mom missed out on my graduation. And that's big for parents having their kids graduate high school. In your mind, you were thinking that Carolyn was choosing not to come to you and not that she was being kept from you. So your anger was directed towards her. Is that right? Yeah. So my anger was more directed towards my mom. And I more felt like if she doesn't care, why should I care type of feeling. Was your dad telling you things? He was kind of saying, he was, he's like that little parakeet in your shoulder. Oh, she's not doing this because she's off having the time of her life. There was one point I needed my social security for school and we couldn't find it. And so I asked my dad, I was like, well, hey, can you ask my mom if she has it? And I got told that my mom said that she doesn't have it, that I'm an adult and to tough luck it out. And go figure it out myself. Did you ever have a conversation with Carolyn about that? I did. And we figured everything out. All the air has been cleared over everything my dad has said. And she didn't have it. And she straight up was like, I don't have it. And granted, now I have a new one and stuff like that. But it was still the fact of, you told me I'm an adult and to go figure it out. Okay, ouch, that hurts. Okay, well then, you know what? If you're going to tell me to be an adult about it, then I'm going to go be petty on Facebook and make things public and write this whole nasty note to you and to basically Yikes. telling you to go F off. Yeah. And some of those notes I didn't even write myself. My stepmom had access to into my Facebook and would post these things when they would get into fights. Not the stepmom helping fuel the fire, stirring the pot. Oh, yes. <laughs> Come on, stepmom. You know, I... Let's stop there for a second. <laughs> I have to stop there because I'm giving real side eye to the stepmom. Like, what the heck? Because at what point? Now, Caitlin, you're just a kid. You are in the house. You are living what you believe is your the best life you can. Your mom's gone. You don't know what that is. Your dad's feeding you small seeds of doubt. And you're like, well, I'm going to believe it because it's my dad. But at what point did you realize He's lying or and she's and his girlfriend's involved? Or, like, what, how did that come to be. And don't get me wrong, I did not live my best life with my dad. I lived your Cinderella story. Me and my siblings did. Her kids didn't do much. They got away with murder. So we always were cleaning and always in trouble. And I didn't have a social life. I had to be there to make sure someone was there to watch my siblings and stuff like that. And so I never had a childhood. 
I got it taken away and it literally went rank right out of my hands. But to answer your guys' question, I really saw it when I asked to have my mom at my graduation. I said, I think it's fair that I at least can have that. And I got told that it's not fair to my sister that my mom has no right to be there. And not only that, but she has no right to be there because she didn't help put me through high school. And I'm like, okay, that still doesn't matter that shouldn't matter. And so I started to kind of see through those lies. That this was about what he wanted, not even, can you even call her, ask her? Like he didn't even give you, okay. Yeah, there's one piece to all of this that's missing. So in the final orders of the dependency and neglect case, they put in there that mother will not contact the girls until the girls reach out to contact mom first. So he used that as a full-fledged restraining order against me and the girls. So he kept he was the total gatekeeper and would not allow those girls to reach out to me. They were trapped. They couldn't call. They didn't even know how to get in touch with me. And even if they had asked, I'm not so sure he would have followed through with their wishes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he probably never asked about the social security card or anything like that. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't, but I totally forgot that was in the divorce case that we were supposed to contact you first. I totally forgot that was in there. But yeah, so I finally saw through the fricade, probably went 18, and he actually kicked me out of the home. And so that's when we kind of reunited. What? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So you and Ashlyn almost have, like, mirror images of... Experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Kicked you out over what, though? Because was it a story of he couldn't control you any longer? (laughs) It wasn't even that. It was because of my boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now. He didn't like my husband. He didn't like my boyfriend. And so he told me because I wasn't there one day. Probably because he was kind. But that's true, though. He couldn't control you any longer. And you know, and you are totally right. He couldn't control me. And I was finally, I found love in a different spot and it wasn't coming from him. And I think he felt inferior of my boyfriend, who's my husband. So you two have thankfully reunited, which I think is still really inspiring for other people who may be listening and dealing with alienation in their own families. Caitlin, can you tell us how you and your mom finally reconnected? I was supposed to go to Utah for school. And so I was like, if I can make it till then to go to school in Utah, I'm booking it. I'm never coming back. This is it. Bye. See ya. Adios. And then I got kicked out and I was like, okay, well, now I'm lost. And I have nowhere to go. Thankfully, my boyfriend took me in. I owe him my life for that till this day and gave me a place to stay. And then I wasn't getting stuff from my dad. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. And then I called my mom. And I figured, what's the worst that's going to happen? How did you have the information you needed to contact your mom? Thankfully, I grew up in the age where cell phones really weren't, smartphones really weren't thing just yet. So they like drilled their phone numbers into my head. And I am so thankful that my mom hasn't changed her phone number in like some of 15 some odd years because I was able to get in contact with her. Yeah, and sent her a text message saying, hey, mom, it's Katie. I need you. And she's like, can I call you? I was like, yes, call me. And we talked on the phone for, I don't know, two hours. And I just bawled. I was like, okay, this is my life. And I finally have my mom back. And then we went and saw each other the next day. And it was like nothing ever skipped a beat. Karen. 
Carolyn. What was it like getting that text from Caitlin? It was late at night, around 10, 15 or so. Wasn't quite asleep yet, but wasn't really awake. And I hear my phone go off and between the darkness and the blurry sleep eyes, I read, and I remember what it said. It said, hi, mommy, this is Caitlin. I really need you. And I started hitting my husband. I'm like, Randy, it's Caitlin. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's Caitlin. What do I do? And he's, well, ask her if you can text her. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, I'll text her. I'll text her right now. And so I texted her and I said, can I call you? And she said, of course. And of course, like Caitlin said, we talked on the phone for, I don't know, a good couple, two, three hours and ugly crying like I am now almost. And Dizzy said with Ashlyn, there was a lot of ugly crying involved as well. And I said, when can I see you? And she said, how about tomorrow? And I said, absolutely. And so I went and I picked her up and she ran to me as fast as she possibly could. And she got in the car and I said, I only have two requests. I said, one, I don't want to be down here because I don't want to run into anybody that we might know. I said, I'd much rather go back up north where we live. And I said, number two, I won't ask any questions unless you want me to answer anything. And we left it at that. And I put boundaries in place. I told everybody, let's just see how things go. I asked her, I said, do you want to see grandma? She goes, yes. And so she got to see her grandma for the first time in six years. I said, do you want to see where I live? She goes, yes, I want to see where you live. And so she got to come over and see where I live. And I said, do you want to have dinner with us? And she said, yes, please, can I have dinner with you? I took her clothes shopping because she didn't have any clothes. She didn't have anything. And so dropped her off at her now husband's place where he lived with his parents and gave him a big hug and thanked him for helping to reunite us as well. And that was the first 24 hours of us reuniting. And sorry, wow. I'm ugly crying. <laughs> no, I. it's wonderful. It's such a wonderfully heartwarming story. And I have to applaud you because, Carolyn, I don't know if I had been in your position if I would have been able to maintain the constraint that you had. Because I would have just said, okay, I don't care where you are. I'm coming right now. I need to see you. I need to hug your neck. And so the fact that you guys talked on the phone for hours and then you said, okay, I'm going to come tomorrow. Were you able to get any sleep? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Caitlin, what about you? Honestly, I couldn't either. I couldn't sleep Aww. either. I was so I was <sighs> so excited. I was ready for tomorrow to be here. It was a very heartfelt reunion. And then, Caitlin, how was it being back with your mom and unlearning the things that your dad had told you about her while you're in her presence? Like, realizing, wow, she wasn't out here creating a whole life and not trying to think about me. Like, she's been waiting on me for all this time. Truthfully, it was hard. I had to unlearn something that was programmed into me for so many years. And so it was like, okay. I actually, it's not like this. And so I remember one night we sat down and we talked and we kind of had this conversation and I just laid everything out. And I was like, okay, this is what I was told. Please tell me this is wrong. And of course she was like, oh, this is all wrong. None of this is true. And it was definitely different. I'm still struggling with it today. I have PTSD from it and I have anxiety and I have separation mm-hmm. issues and I can't go 15 minutes being alone or I freak out. Mm. I'm definitely a codependent person because of this. And so it was heartfelt and hard at the same time because one, I have my mom back. 
But two, now I have to readjust and relearn things. And I have to relearn a whole new person. Yeah, absolutely. Part of that, too, is so amazing to me, especially for you, Carolyn, because how safe is it to say that you going through your treatment and being a recovering alcoholic and learning boundaries and learning the steps reinforce what you do when you connected and reconnected with Caitlin? Because you sound so self-actualized and so clear about what kind of boundaries you wanted to establish and how that worked for you when you guys got together. Yeah, so I made a vow that I was just going to be the healthiest person I could be. I had lots of therapists who would tell me, they'll come around. They're going to want to know who their mom is. They'll come around. They'll come around. And I figured, all right, well, if this is true, then I want to be firmly planted where I'm at. I want them to know that I never gave up. I got very involved with several different organizations, our statewide coalition, our domestic violence coalition here in Colorado, and I do a lot of work with parents worldwide. And I just wanted them to know that even though I couldn't fight in your traditional court of law, I fought a different way. And I made a vow, and I think Ashlyn even said, don't make the same mistakes that we made. I don't want this to ever happen to another parent and child relationship as long as I can possibly prevent it. It is so heartbreaking, not only as a parent having to go through this, but now watching my adult daughter struggle. Dizzy and Ashlyn explained that while they were in each other's lives now, they've had to work through their relationship and get through a lot of boundary setting and understanding their own personal needs and the needs of each other. And so how did you two work to rebuild that once you reconnected? It wasn't hard for Caitlin and I to rebuild that. We already had such a strong foundation. She was actually 12 when a lot of this happened. And so we had a really strong bond and she was my mini me. And so we were able to have that really strong bond and keep that really strong bond together. When we reconnected, it was one of those moments of like how you haven't spoken to your best friend in 20 years and the moment that you pick up the phone and you hear each other's voice, you didn't skip a beat. It was the same for me and Caitlin. Yeah, we had a lot of things that we had to work through. We're still working through a lot of things. Fortunately, I've had the opportunity to spend the last 10 years developing myself and growing and learning and trying to understand everything that has happened and help others through this process. And Caitlin, for you, how has it been? It's been hard. Truthfully, it's been hard. I finally am I'm learning what's going on. My biggest question, why did it happen? Why did it happen to me? Why am I going through this? And I ponder that every day. But not only that, but I sit there and I worry about my brother and my sister and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so mm-hmm. I've it's hard rebuilding this. But our relationship is strong. And I know that. And so it makes it easy because, like my mom said, she's planted her feet. And she's there for me. So I can lean on her a little bit and be like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea. And granted, thankfully enough, I'm in therapy and I talk with therapists and I'm working on trying to unrewire these habits. And so it's not easy, but it gets better. I know that. And I want kids out there to know who listen to this. It does get better. And we go through this hatred, not only for our parents, but ourselves. It took me probably about a year ago to finally realize I have hatred for myself. And I had to learn to tell myself I'm okay and I'm sorry and I love you in order for me to keep healing because I hit this point of I couldn't keep going. 
And so I was like, okay, I mm. need to figure out what else is going on. And I really telling myself I'm sorry helped. And forgiving yourself. For Yeah. I mean, you would have never thought of something like that. I was the victim. But telling myself I'm sorry for putting myself through that was like, okay, I have somewhat of control now. Okay, I can do this. I can keep going. And having control and having a voice helped you because you felt like you didn't have a voice for so long. And even in the midst of that, though, you were able to find a relationship, which I think is really pretty dang on amazing, Caitlin. And so you mentioned that you're codependent. You acknowledge that. How has your current relationship been altered by what you went through as a child? It's hard. We have our ups and we have our downs. He worships the ground I walk on and I love him for that. And he is my human. He is my person. He is. He's my person. He's my best friend. But we have this, and it's different. And I don't know how to put it in words because it's a weird relationship. We really do. It's not weird, it's yours. It is, okay. it is ours, but we're weird people. So that's just Yay, how I put it. Yeah, weird people. Weird people unite. Yes, he caters to my needs and I never had that before. I was like, whoa, someone's actually willing to take care of me when I'm sick? Or he waits for me outside every day when I get out of work and school and brings my bag in for me. And so I've had this 360 in my life where the one man that I trusted the most was like, I'm not going to do that. And then now I have this person who is willing to wait on me hand and foot. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I wait on him on hand on foot too, but it's thank you. Thank you for taking care of me. And he's given me the room to grow and be a person and honestly truthfully to give me back a childhood too he's lets me be the kid that I am when it rains we cuddle up and we watch Disney movies till my little heart can content and that is my favorite thing to do <laughs> it's okay to enjoy childish right I like, yes. just want to be childish for a second yeah yes it's nice to forget that I'm an adult for 20 minutes well, well and then too What you tapped into, I think there's so much power in that, that you were able to find in a mate what your father didn't model as a parent, as a father, that you didn't see and know what it was like to be nurtured, to be protected, to be provided for, but you were able to find it in a mate. So that's such a gift. Carolyn, you mentioned that you have two other children and you are not able to see them right now. And Caitlin, those are your siblings that you can't see either. So do you all text or even follow each other on social media? Yeah, so I don't follow them. I'm blocked. Oh, not blocked. Yeah, I'm blocked. I thought that's what you were going to say. Dang it. Yeah, it breaks my heart because going back a little bit back to the show, Teddy talks about how his son was wearing glasses and he never knew. Honestly, truthfully, I feel that because I see pictures of my siblings because I'm friends with people who will send me stuff and I see them and I'm like, I would walk right past you and not even know. I have no idea. And it breaks my heart. Caitlin, could you tell us about the last time you talked or interacted with your sibling? Yeah, the last time I saw them, I saw them last October, last year. I needed my high school diploma for my job. And I asked my mom, I was like, hey, I really don't have it in me to text my dad. Can you ask him for me? I hate to put you in this, but can you ask for me? And she's like, okay. And so she sent him an email. I was like, thank you. And then 
the day later, I get a text message from my dad. How he got my phone number, I still don't know to this day. And basically saying, hey, if you need your stuff, you can come get it from the house. And I said, well, I really don't want to come get it from the house. I'd much rather meet you in public. And he really was like, "Uh, I don't have time to meet you in public. So I got suckered into going to the house. How was that? Because you didn't want to go back to the house because... Because my stepmom was there. And I didn't want to see her because... I felt like there was something my dad needed to say just to me. And I just, I needed that. And I think I needed more closure with my dad. I know my siblings, they'll be, 18's not far along. Hopefully they kind of get the same wake up call that I did. I just wanted the closure with my dad. And so I went to the house. They opened the door and let me in. And I get stopped in the hallway right before the kitchen. And that's as far as I can go. And my brother and my sister come up and they say hello. And I was like, well, can I have a hug? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, cool. But how old are they now? Are they teens? Is it tween? Yeah, so there's one's going to be 17. Yeah, 15 and 17. So they're old enough. They're there. And so I was like, okay, this is how this is going to go. You're not going to invite me in completely to sit. I'm going to stand here in the doorway of a kitchen. And we're just going to play bash Caitlin for the next 20 minutes. And I got told how they mourned me like I was dead. All the pictures that they have taken with me were gone. I was told that not only did I hurt my dad, but I hurt my stepmom and how her feelings got hurt and all this. And I got told that if I ever want a relationship with them, that I needed to earn their trust first. It's the manipulation for me. I'm just going to stop you. I just. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It's the other party who came in. As we're older, we date and we have our own love lives. Number one, you think to yourself, love did all this. Carolyn, I know this is your ex. And it's like, love did all this. And then for someone to come in that's an outsider and add to the manipulation, I know that has to be, like, baffling. Yeah. So... I kind of was like, I don't know. I want my siblings back in my life. So I came home. I sat there and I just bawled. I bawled for probably about a good hour straight. I looked at my mom and said, how the hell did you marry this man? Yes, my dad's a bad guy, but he had good qualities. And he was a good person at some point. But at that point, I was just like, how the hell did you marry this person? And you had kids with him? I was like, Dear Lord, okay. That talks a lot about the growth in your relationship, too, that you were able to go back to Carolyn like, what the hell? How the hell? <laughs> to your mom and say that. Just being fully transparent, Carolyn, like, is that is that why you were drinking? We all have our issues and we all accept our roles. But seriously, is that why the drinking? Like, I'm drinking because of you. Like, what? Like, Well, I was sober for eight years of the marriage. Yeah. Yeah, He had good qualities. He does. And just like Dizzy said, he was a lousy husband. Well, my ex-husband was pretty lousy to me. I hope he's a much better husband to his current wife. Somehow, I don't think that's the case. But in my opinion, she is just as manipulative as he is. There were times when she would go to the family therapist and talk to them about how she was a much better mom to my children than their own biological mother. So that's manipulation. When the girls were younger and we were supposed to do some family therapy, she actually held both of their hands and walked them into the therapist, sat them down and said, you tell the therapist you're not doing therapy with your mom. 
See, that is so much ego. That's way too much ego. Well, it's a lot of ego. <laughs> it yeah, is. It's way too much ego. Yeah, because who are you? I don't know who you like. Where the audacity? She needs to go talk to Dr. Romani. That's narcissism on on steroids. Crazy. Right today on navigating narcissism. Okay, so, I mean yeah, seriously. That's, we love you, Dr. Romney. And for your siblings, they stopped you. And said, we have mourned you, Caitlin, like you were dead. Yeah. Did it take you back to a place of not having your mom? Because now it's like I have to choose. Like, I, now what? Yeah, and it truthfully, it did. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll play his game a little bit. Maybe if I can get in there further enough, I can let them know, hey, this is not what you think it is. Try to save them. Pull them out kind of with me. And I was like, okay, maybe I can do it. But I thought, he's not going to let me have a relationship with my mom, too. I'm not going to be able to have both. Mm. I can't. Right. In his eyes, I can only love one or the other. And that hurts because my dad's my dad. I love my dad. Even though he's put me through hell, I love my dad. That part. I appreciate you for saying that. It's just, that's just the... In my mind, that's the utmost respect. Just acknowledging he's still a piece of you, right? He's yeah. still a piece of you. He, but and he is. I don't like what you're doing. I cannot exactly. like your behaviors and still love you. And I'm an adult now. I have the right to choose who becomes my family and who stays inside my family. Right. And right now, I don't want that. I don't need that. Right. And so it was hard. And I was like, okay, bye. I'm not going to do this again. So you didn't get the closure you were looking for with your dad? Nope. And probably about a couple months after that, my dad texted me, so we're not talking again. You're mad at me. When I sent him a text message back saying, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad. I just have nothing left to say. I have nothing left to say. What response would do you think he would have wanted you to actually say? I think he probably wanted me to say, I'm so sorry. I love you. Let's be best friends again. Let me move back in. Let me rearrange my whole life again for you. Maybe that's what he wanted to hear. Let me show you I need you. Yeah. There's so much full-spectrum emotion that goes on in this. I've felt it. Like, I've been, like, super upset. I've been 100% angry. The evil stepmother is going to forever get side-eye from me. She gets put up on the side-eye wall. I am happy that you guys were reunited. I'm super sad that you have not reconnected with your children, Carolyn, and with your siblings, Caitlin. How are you managing this? How is this working for you, for both of you, that you've celebrated being reunited while you're also mourning the loss of these relationships that you have that are still broken? What do you do? How do you manage that? As a parent, you just keep holding on to hope that someday they'll come around. Keep doing what I'm doing, standing in my own truth, knowing that I'm not this evil monster. I did not abandon my children, and I will keep trying to educate others on parental alienation so that my kids can see that I never gave up on them. I just didn't fight it the traditional way in courts because I don't trust the court system. The court system's broken right now, and it keeps proving to us that it's broken. As far as celebrating us, she's still my mini-me. We are still very close. I still see her dad in her quite a bit, and it can be triggering, and we can trigger each other, but we're learning how to cope, and we're learning how to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and 
yeah, I pray. I pray every day and I hold on to that hope and that faith that Ryan and Brianna will be reunited with us hopefully one day very, very soon. In case they hear this, what, Carolyn, would you like to say to your two other children? I'll say this to every single alienated child out there. Don't be afraid to call your parent. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid of the consequences that the other parent may have instilled fear in you. Just reach out. I promise you. I promise you. They have not abandoned you and they want to talk to you. I promise you they want to talk to you. And then, Caitlin, what would you say to your siblings or any other alienated child? Well, to my siblings, I love you. I love you so much. And I'm here and I'm standing and I will be here when you need me with open arms. And to everyone out there that's going through what I went through, there is hope. And for real, pick up the phone, send that text message. If you need an out, I don't care where you are, even if you're another state, I will come help you get out of that because I know what you've been through and it gets better. And it will get better. And it's hard right now, yes, but it's going to be okay because at the end of a rainstorm comes a rainbow and your rainbow is coming really soon. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Cara, I don't think there's anything else we could possibly ask for. I don't think so, except maybe we'll invite y'all back later on because I enjoyed talking to you. Please invite us back. We'd love to come back. And looking for an update when you come back and Absolutely. to be able to have even more people on with us because your siblings and your children will be reunited with you as well. That's what we hope. So thank you so much for joining us at this virtual red table. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for letting us tell our story. For real. We want to know what you are feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. We are open to talk about anything with you all. So please send in your questions at Let's Red Table that at redtabletalk.com. Yes, because those emails are read and responded to every week. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Rate us a five. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That. A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Ellen Rackerton, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru, and our associate producer, Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineers, Calvin Bailiff and Devin Donahue. Yeah. Let's red table that. Let's red table that.